You are listening to The Future of Work, Water Cooler Conversations, where business leaders share how they integrate humanity and technology to create a better workplace for today and tomorrow. This radio show and podcast is brought to you by Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center. And now let's listen in as Jen Burrell and Kyle McIntosh connect with today's valued guests. And we're back with the Future of Work Water Cooler Conversations. I'm Kyle McIntosh here with my co-host and good friend Jen Burwell and our fascination with business leaders who have developed innovative approaches, healthy cultures, flexible workspaces, and seamless virtual technology. Today, we are excited to introduce you to Lava Sunder, General Manager at Cul-de-Sac. Thank you for being on the show, Lava. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And Jen, good to see you today. Good to see you as well. So, Lava, the way we like to start the show, uh, you've come on to talk about cul-de-sac, but let's talk about you for a minute. And where did you grow up? How did you get to kind of where you started to where you're sitting today? What's, uh, what's your story? Sure. So I right now live in Tempe and I live car-free. I get around almost exclusively by bike. But I, you know, I haven't always been like this. So I actually was born and raised in Houston and was the type of person that, you know, got my driver's license the day I turned 16, begged my parents for a car because, you know, when I was growing up, that was kind of the only way to really access mobility freedom. And I was also, you know, I'm the kind of the daughter of two parents who immigrated to the U.S. And so we didn't have kind of a sort of built-in community in Houston so to speak. And so, you know, I spent a lot of my time hanging out with my sisters or playing in the driveway, but I didn't really have an experience of, you know, opening my front door and having a sense of community. And so, you know, I kind of look back, it's so funny how life is full circle, but I look back at some of those experiences. And I think they're part of the reasons why I'm so driven to build something like cul-de-sac because community wasn't really a part of my life growing up and neither was, you know, easy access to mobility that wasn't a car. And I think that all really kind of changed when I went to school. So I went to college and kind of realized, oh, there really is a different way to build community and transportation. And since then, I've really been fascinated with the way that the built environment contributes itself to community building and also ways to get around that aren't just driving in your car. And so now I'm calling here from from Tempe, where we're building the first car-free community built from scratch in the U.S. There's a lot to unpack there. Lots of interesting stuff. So building community is something that's very important to us at Max 6 as well. And I think is, or at least should be to most businesses. What do you say? I mean, I'm interested in what that means to you. What does community mean to you? As, you're, as you said, in Houston or growing up, you didn't necessarily say, have a built-in community. What is it that you have now or that you're looking to build with a cul-de-sac that would really, really say, hey, this feels good. I'm a part of one. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think um, something that we talk about a lot at Cul-de-Sac is we want to create community, but we don't want to throw the party. We want to like set the table. And so what that really means is like, you know, no one wants to be part of their landlord's community. Uh, you know, if you, you, no one wants to sort of, you know, come to the happy hour. We brought pizza. It's like, no, no one's going to go to the happy hour. And so what it what it actually means and what's really interesting about cul-de-sac is it's actually just giving people the tools to create their own community. And a lot of what that looks like is living in a built environment that lends itself to community. And so what do we mean by that? So the way I grew up and I you know I don't know where, where both of you grew up, like if I opened my front door, I would see a driveway or you know a road or you know cars and it's sort of like that friction in sort of seeing other people is always there. You open your front door at cul-de-sac, you see outdoor living rooms, essentially. So all units are on these shared courtyards that have amenities that are meant for community building. So say a barbecue pit or a fire pit or, you know, a reading nook. And it's like giving people tools to have access to that. Another example is um, most apartment complexes, you know, in Phoenix and really in the U.S., they have these things called double loaded corridors. So that's basically a hallway where on either side of the hallway, you have doors to enter a unit, but it doesn't feel, it feels very impersonal. 
cul-de-sac is um, sort of built such that you kind of have to walk outdoors to get to your unit and all all units kind of open to the outdoors. So it really creates and lends itself to building community. So I guess back to your initial question of what do we mean by community? I think, and we want people to define community um, by however they want to, but one of the fundamental pieces of community is building trust and interactions with your neighbors. And so, you know, we just want to give people the tools to do that. So you brought up an interesting point, Love, where you said no one wants to come to your landlord's pizza party or happy hour because a lot of what we do at Maxix, so we are um, the landlord of a lot of companies inside our space. And that is very true. Um, no one wants to come to our, you know, the thing that we host. But what we found, especially at our Park Lane, our light manufacturing facility, is when we provided, I love what you said about setting the table. And that's what we've found is we've created the environment because in the space, there's the open chain link fence. So people can see each other, see what everybody's doing. And then the community that's built there and the way that they've come together and they help to problem solve, but they also do their own events and they do their own things has been a really beautiful thing. And a lot of it is, I think, in the way that 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 space is, is set up as well. And we see it in our other buildings as well. But I think I don't know, Kyle, tell me what you think, but it feels like so much more tangible because maybe because they're making things and it's a very like more like you can visually see what everyone's doing. Um, but there is a neat little community in that in that space. It's true. I mean, I tell people all the time, all that we. OK, I'm only half joking here, but all that we really do is control these big boxes that are the buildings. And it's just four walls. And what's special about that? I can rent you some square footage within that box. But it really is that connection between the human beings inside of that that make it special and make it that community. And yeah, I, I also like, and at least in, uh, in conversation anyways, I'm going to steal that setting the table uh, <laughs> uh, as opposed to throwing the party. That's, that's really yeah, nice. Yeah, it's my gift to you <laughs> for coming <laughs> on the show. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I do have another question, though. Um, when you guys were considering locations, like what made you choose Tempe? Like why Tempe, Arizona? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think a lot of the reasons why we chose Tempe are reasons why I love to live in Tempe. Um, and Tempe, I should say, has just been an incredible partner for us. So, I mean, we, we chose Tempe for a few reasons. So the first reason is really just um, a forward-thinking local government that's excited to build with us. I've talked about this a lot in some other uh, kind of interviews, but the city of Tempe really had to collaborate with cul-de-sac and building cul-de-sac uh, Tempe. So an example of that is um, we have no interior roads on the site, um, and that's because we're a car-free community. But of course, we want to meet fire code. And so actually, the fire department of the city of Tempe collaborated with us and sort of, you know, kind of said, Hey, let's not let we don't need to make roads, but let's make the main walkways um, in the site 26 feet wide. And that's so in case of emergency, fire trucks can mount the walkways and you know we can make sure that everyone is safe. So I thought, like, just in terms of how collaborative they are, I think that's just a huge piece. We also chose Tempe for its thriving job market. Um, you know, Tempe has for some time had one of the top commercial markets in the in the country. I'm sure you guys know that it's you know space that you're in, but we see businesses like DoorDash relocating here, Open Door. I know Amazon has an office, Microsoft, Senefit, ZipRecruiter, you know, the list goes on and on. And so we've just really been excited about being located in a city that's really growing. And then the final reason is proximity to transportation. So cul-de-sac Tempe is built on the Smith Martin Apache Boulevard light rail station. It's literally directly across the street There'll be a built-in pedestrian crosswalk. Um, you know, we hope folks use the light rail all the time. And having that, that access to transit has been really amazing. Of course, uh, you know, Tempe now is about to open the streetcar, which just makes it even easier to get around Tempe without a car. And Tempe is also the most bike-friendly city in Arizona, which I can personally attest to. Like I said, I, I bike everywhere. I actually hit 700 miles on my bike this morning. Wow. And it's quite wow. Yeah, thanks. I'm very, I'm proud of it. Felt it feels like a big accomplishment. That is a huge accomplishment. Uh, yeah, and in like I think you know people would maybe not necessarily think of Tempe as bike friendly, but there's a lot of really great protected bike lanes. 
And it's also very flat, which just really helps with biking. So um, in a lot of ways, Tempe is the perfect city to build the first car-free community built from scratch. So Lava, I am a third generation native of Arizona. Um, And I share a lot of what you were talking about is like the second I was 16, I think it started when I was 15. I was like, I got to get my learner's permit. I got to get that license. I got to get my car. Um, So I feel like when you think because of the metro area is so sprawled out, I think that's ingrained in the Arizona culture. So a couple of questions come to mind is one is when somebody moves into your community, if they have a car, what do they do? Not bring it or how does that work? And then the second thing is like how, like, I totally agree with you. Tempe is a very bikeable city and the transportation is really, really awesome. So how do you like create that culture shift for people who might only think of like, hey, I, this is what I do. I get in my car and I drive somewhere. Yeah, those are two really great questions. So, you know, your first question was, what do people do when they move to cul-de-sac Tempe and have a car? Um, which is a really great question. So we actually have a wait list of folks who are planning to move into cul-de-sac and there are people that come from all around the U.S., um, but of course, especially Arizona. And, you know, as a provision of your lease, if you want to live at cul-de-sac, you can't own a car or park a car on site or within the surrounding area, but you're more than welcome to park a car, you know, at a parent's house or a friend's house um, or sell your car. So we're going to be, you know, supportive and trying to help people figure out what they want to do with their vehicle. But I would say most people that are planning on moving in either don't have a vehicle already or planning on selling the vehicle prior to moving into cul-de-sac. I think one of the reasons people feel comfortable in doing this is the number of different transportation options you have available to you. So like I said, we're built on a light rail, you know, we're encouraging people to bike and we'll be built on a protected bike lane. Um, we'll also have on-site ride share, uh, car share rather, integrated ride share, and then on-site scooter share as well. And so when you take all of these options into consideration, you're sort of trading one transportation option for five or six you know, if you include walking. And and so people are really excited to unlock that new way of of transportation. Yeah, I think that's a really, it provides a really unique opportunity because I think like we most like think, oh, I got to get that, I got to get a car, you know, and then I need to get to my job and all those things. And to be able to provide an opportunity where, hey, most people have car payments, right? To sell it, to get rid of that payment or to sell your car and, and have some additional money. Like that's a really, a unique opportunity to be able to provide to someone. So I think that's, and it helps people kind of rethink um, yeah. what you think you need, um, which I think we're all going through, especially after the last year. Yeah, for sure. And I think sort of your point at the end about rethinking what you need leads to my answer to your second question, which was how do you create this culture shift? And um, that's a really great question as well. I think there's a lot of research, uh, particularly in the field of behavioral science, that people are most sort of malleable to life changes when they move. And so I think it's actually specifically the three months after you move. So for instance, I, you know, I moved to Tempe, let's say, I think last February, and it was really an opportunity for me to like reset a lot of my life decisions. Where's my dentist? You know, where's my, how is my commute to work? What grocery store do I go to? And so one of the really cool things about cul-de-sac is like, we're kind of incorporating that into a lifestyle change. So it's not really, you know, our our product is is the whole neighborhood and is really a car-free way of life. And so in terms of shifting culture, part of the way that we do this is by encouraging people to make all these changes when they're moving to a place. So you're already malleable to these changes. You have an on-site grocery store and, you know, that becomes where you go get your groceries. We're going to do onboarding with folks to show them these are the best light rails, you know, stops. And this is how you use the bus. This is how you take the bike. And then I think that the second main thing really beyond just moving to a place is having a community that's doing the same thing. So you think about it, like everyone that lives at cul-de-sac is going to be united under a singular mission, which is like, how can we live really awesome, productive, healthy, happy, car-free lives together? And so I think that level of community will help a lot as well. Uh, You know, the cul-de-sac team has a number of employees, actually a majority of our company who live in Tempe, and most of us are car free. And we share on Slack tips all the time. You know, uh, this restaurant gives a discount to bikers or, 
you know, I found that if you bike this lane, you know, one lane over, it's actually quicker, maybe a little bit uh, funner. And so that level of community already we're beginning to see it in like the shared learnings and it'll just, you know, accelerate dramatically when you have a thousand people living there, which I calculated recently, it's almost half a percentage point of Tempe all sharing these learnings together and, and helping them, you know, helping each other. What, uh, I'm, I've been curious about this and, and I am, uh, what do you guys cul-de-sac care about as a part of this? And what are you seeing your, uh, your new community members that they care about? And is it, Hey, I'm interested in environmental impact or, uh, and, and not having a car and being a part of that, or, uh, Hey, I just want to connect with my neighborhood in a different way or, I mean, is it, is it sort of all of that? Is it just different, different type of lifestyle in general that I'm attracted to? Or are you seeing, um, you know, one or the other or other things I'm not even thinking about being a more of a draw here? Yeah, those are, those are good questions. Um, I would say for the cul-de-sac team, we started cul-de-sac for one reason, and that was to make cities better for people. I think, you know, Jennifer, you were sort of speaking earlier about what we've seen in this time with the pandemic. And I think one of the things that the pandemic has revealed is how much of cities is truly dedicated to cars. So you, there's been, you know, more than 100 cities in the U.S., cities like Boston, Seattle, York, uh, Tempe, even, who have temporarily banned through traffic on streets or allowed restaurants to build outdoor dining on parking spots and given people extra room we're kind of sitting here and saying, well, why is it taking a global pandemic to make it safe to ride your bike in a city or, or safely walk in a city? Because fundamentally, we think that cities are tools to make people happy and should be built for people. And so that's kind of the fundamental reason why we built cul-de-sac and are building cul-de-sac Tempe. We also think that real estate and transportation work best together. And there's been huge innovations in transportation re- recently. And I think like Arizona is is a perfect place to see this, right? So you see, of course, ride share and car share, but we're about to see, you know, autonomous vehicles even. I think Mm. you guys might've seen the Waymo cars driving around. If you bike through ASU, you see the Starship robots already delivering meals. Transportation is is evolving rapidly. And of course, if you go to Tempe Beach Park or anywhere in downtown Tempe, you'll see people on scooters everywhere. But fundamentally, we build real estate the same way we've been building real estate for a hundred years. And so for us at cul-de-sac, we just really want to build a modern uh, real estate for modern transportation. And so that's kind of, that kind of explains why we're building cul-de-sac. And it's sort of like, how can we reclaim more space fundamentally for people? I think to your question, Kyle, of like, why are people excited about that? And, you know, it's exactly what you said. It's sort of all of you about, you know, a, we have a, a number of people who are remote workers who want to move to cul-de-sac Tempe. And the reason is because they want a built-in community. So we have the, you know, the infrastructure, we have an on-site co-working space, we'll have site-wide high-speed internet. But more than that, they're like, you know, we want a built-in community, we work remotely, we want to see people. So that's kind of one portion of folks. There's a lot of people that want to be more environmentally conscious about their lifestyle. We estimate that residents of cul-de-sac Tempe will emit 50% less CO2-related emissions than the average Phoenician. So that's obviously a huge piece of it. And then other folks just want to live in a community with a lot of amenities at their front door. You know, um, we'll have an on-site grocery store, a park, a pool, a restaurant. And this is a way of life, this kind of like walkable way of life that's unfortunately only common in a few places in the U.S. And a lot of people just want that way of life in Tempe. It's really interesting. My, my experience living in Arizona on my own anyways, after college and everything was bought a house and it was fine. And it was fine for our little family as we were growing and there was a park, but like what you're saying, uh, similar to Houston, we'd see our neighbors when they came home to maybe take groceries inside, but you, you don't really see them that often unless they're right next door to you and you see them a little bit more. And when we, were looking for a new neighborhood. I had just been hanging out with one of my friends in California in Dana Point. So one of these little beach towns in California and you walked everything. You walked, we walked to go get lunch. We walked to go get uh, to the market to go pick up some groceries. Uh, 
to pick up flowers one day. We just did just walked all over the place. And I was like, there's got to be something like that. Like where where is the walkability places in Arizona that, you know, I can find? And it was at the time it was and it still is a, to a, a big degree kind of hard to find. But we found a neighborhood where people had like front porch swings and things outside where it sort of said, hey, I'm inviting you into my world. You don't have to, you can come in, you know, or you can be out here where our kids are playing outside, people are outside. And it was just yeah. such a different experience being able to actually connect with my neighborhood and not just like a few neighbors. I mean, what you're talking about, this whole deal, this whole thing with cul-de-sac is, it just resonates with me so much. It's, it's very cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I think one of, so we have a series on our website called Meet the Neighbors, and it's sort of like meeting folks that are planning on moving into cul-de-sac. And one of them, the family is called the Kimbalas, so they uh, spend some time in Amsterdam. They're just the most beautiful community, and they've actually already relocated to Arizona. And, you know, I thought that at the time they're, they sort of want to have almost like an open door policy. And of course, this is just this family and like is not, you know, representative of everyone living at cul-de-sac, but they exactly to your point, they want to have their neighbors feel welcome to pop over and say hi. And it was so cute when we interviewed them, they said, and this is actually Kyle, an earlier question you asked around what community means. And so to this family, community, she said, means gezelig, which is a, a word that means cozy, just like hot cocoa on a winter's day. And I just thought that that was the most beautiful thing. But anyway, to your point, she's planning on on living at cul-de-sac in a way to even further create community and like wants her, her place to be, you know, an open door family. So cul-de-sac is currently under construction. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Um, do we have a time frame, like a, a rough, I know construction <laughs> never goes as planned, but any sort of timeline for when residents should start moving in? Yeah, we're going to, residents will be moving in next year. Um, and we're very excited for that. That's super exciting. And I, I was just thinking, I have so many questions as you were talking and I have like a past question and a forward question. So maybe first, like how did cul-de-sac start? I, I heard you talk about your purpose um, of making cities better for people, but like, how did the idea really come about and how long have you guys been into the process? And then in the future, like what, if you looked out five to 10 years, like what do you see for cul-de-sac? Sure. So cul-de-sac was founded actually by two Arizonans. So third and fifth generation Arizonans, uh, respectively. So there's a lot of deep roots in Arizona. For- fifth generation? Sorry. Yeah. I have lit- like I've heard, I've met a few fourths, but I have to meet this fifth generation. That is impressive. I know. I think uh, I think that might have been like before statehood, or it's like right around the time of statehood. Wow. Oh, it has to be easily because statehood was nineteen fourteen, so it has to. Yeah. Be. No, anyway, but I just I bring that up because it's like Arizona is sort of in the blood of cul-de-sac a lot, and um, you know, one of the way essentially cul-de-sac started was one of. One of the co-founders of Cul-de-Sac, Ryan Johnson, was at Open Door previously and was on the founding team of Open Door and kept hearing a lot of people say that they wanted to live in cute neighborhoods. And so they kept using this word cute. And I think, Kyle, it's sort of exactly what you're saying. Like you wanted this cute neighborhood. And what does that mean? I mean, that fundamentally means it's walkable. There's amenities nearby. You don't have to get into your car to get something. Um, you know, the average American drives three miles to go to the grocery store. All cul-de-sac residents will be at most a five-minute walk away from a grocery store. And so anyway, he kind of was like, well, what does cute mean? And then looking a little bit further, we found that 53% of Americans and 60% of millennials want to live in a walkable neighborhood, but only 8% do. So there's a huge supply-demand mismatch. And the result is that walkable neighborhoods are priced prohibitively expensive for most Americans. And so, you know, that's like San Francisco or the West Village. And so that was fundamentally kind of how cul-de-sac started was, well, let's solve this problem and build walkable communities from scratch. Um, In terms of your question of what's coming up for cul-de-sac, the goal is to build the first car-free city in America. So we are so excited to be building here in Tempe, but Tempe is really just the beginning. 
And the goal is to build a 100,000 person car-free city where people don't feel like they need to have a private vehicle to get around. That is that is a big goal. That, and that's incredible. I mean, the the impact that you're talking about here, I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking about it, the impact to the woman that you talked about coming in from Amsterdam and her family and her connection to the community and just extrapolate that to all of the people living in cul-de-sac Tempe and in this 100,000 people. I mean, what an incredible impact to introduce to the world that people are asking for. I mean, that's, a, that's yeah. wow. Yeah, and I think that, you know, that's exactly the point. It's like people are asking for this and people really want to live like this. And we're very excited to be bringing this as an option to the Arizona market. You know, it's like, if you want to live in a place like this, we're very excited for cul-de-sac to be that place. You know what keeps striking me over the last number of years, but especially in the last year, is we've come so far so fast with technology that everything seems like progress when we continue to introduce this new technology to the world. And it's amazing what it can do. I mean, we... Zoom is a different company pre-pandemic and post-pandemic and the ability to connect with people. But we've really haven't caught up with the ability to humanize a lot of that technology. And it's what you're talking about and what I think that human beings are really asking for is, hey, we've, we've seemingly scaled so high up this uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs that we've got basic needs met and we're, we're grappling with these bigger questions in life of like, what does it mean to be an enlightened human being? How do I pursue happiness that we almost have the need to sort of go backwards in a way and re-simplify our lives and reconnect with the things that give us the foundation of what it means to be human and be here, which is connection to each other. And I mean, a car is great. It's a great tool but it doesn't need to be the only way to get around. You're absolutely right. And I'm just thinking about, we were talking about this on a hike last week, why I love hiking and biking and things is because you cover so much ground, you get to see so much more. It's not the same experience in a car. You're just driving through. You're not being and experiencing what it is to be a part of this, this thing. And I think, I think it's only going to be more of that in the future. And people, their experience, I, I can speak for myself, is just, where do I find that? Because all of these awesome things that are seemingly connect us, connecting us in a virtual world aren't giving me this human need that I have to really connect in a way where I'm right in front of you and talking and a part of the same community. Yeah, I think it's a it's actually reminding me of something of um, well, a couple of things, because in a lot of ways, cul-de-sac Tempe represents um, represents pulling from the past, you know, it's like people used to live in communities like this prior to the advent of the car. And I think you think a lot about the way that um, a lot of cities in Europe are built because the country is older, the continent rather is older uh, than the car. A lot of streets and housing was built at a more human scale. But then you look at the U.S., a lot of the development happened after the car, you know, in the 30s and 40s and so on. And so we sort of have fundamentally been using the car as this um, this blueprint for infrastructure. So in a lot of ways, cul-de-sac Tempe is a nod to the past. Um, you know, we call, call the architecture Desert Mykonos. The architect is inspired by Italy specifically. His name is Dan Prolick, and he coined the term missing middle architecture. But then in a lot of ways, cul-de-sac is also pulling us into the future uh, because a lot has changed about how people live. And like I said, uh, you know, part of a huge part of this is the way people get around. And so it's almost like creating this community that melts like, you know, things that have always been things that people want. Community, human scale, cute like you said, and, and, and like people say in the U.S., but then also really these trends for the future, like food delivery, remote work, ride share, car share, eventually autonomous vehicles, e-bikes as well. And I think that's really why cul-de-sac Tempe is resonating with a lot of people because, um, you know, people will always want community, but they also want community that makes sense in an environment that's adapting and changing as technology is growing. 
I also think about, um, I was reading a study the other day that said um, more single people or individual people are living in households alone than any other time in U.S. history. And I think that really speaks to the point of like we've evolved and we've changed like that, even that sense of community or family unit, like, you know, you, you turn 18, you go to college or you move out and you're by yourself. And I think the pandemic hit um, those young people, they tend to be younger people, the hardest. And so to have a community, like if you lived in cul-de-sac with, let's not even say there's going to be another pandemic, but if there was something like what we just went through, I think it would just be such a more supportive environment than these people who are alone um, having to stay home in these apartments or houses by themselves. And that's just, it, it's been really hard for them um, yeah. from a health perspective as well. So it's such a unique and interesting concept that will be great for many reasons. But if we ever have another pandemic, we'll be. <laughs> Don't speak it into existence. <laughs> yeah, I know. I shouldn't even joke about that. It's not funny at all. And I had another question and I can't remember. I don't know if you had one, Kyle. <laughs> I totally got sidetracked on my. So, yeah, what, how, I know a little bit about this, but I'm curious about the extent to which um, you guys picked Tempe for lots of reasons. How much work have you done or do you plan on doing on exploring what's here, uh, what businesses are around and connecting with those and just uh, developing community partnerships and things like that, um, so that you can introduce your, uh, community members to this world that's, that's existing all around cul-de-sac. Right. And I think is, is the question really around like the pre-community work that we've been doing? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I mean, it, it seems like there's, there's one set of things like what are the nearest, like you said, dentist, grocery store, things like that, that I can tell you where to get to, but to tell a person who's moving here from the East Coast, for example, hey, here's some community groups, partnerships, things like that, that you can learn about, be a part of, or here for a support system. Uh, what kind of work have you done uh, to make some of those connections? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think um, we we want to be, and we are quite community-oriented, and I think one thing to explain about cul-de-sac is it's open to the public. So all of the retail is open to the public. Um, you know, we're, we're creating a grocery store or building a grocery store in a community that was sort of previously a, a food desert from a grocery perspective, building a restaurant, a co-working space, a coffee shop, a park that's open to the public. And so the intention is really to make cul-de-sac a destination for the surrounding community and really the broader Phoenix Metro. Um, we've been excited to work closely with leaders of the Escalante Community Association and the Allegro Community Association. Those are sort of the two nearby neighborhood associations that we're kind of close to. And then we also work with a number of local organizations, you know, everything from, say, the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce to uh, One Community. And so there's just a number of different groups that we are excited to work with and really just connect our members to, I think, like you said, I think that that's a, a big thing is, is connecting our members to existing community groups. Then I would say the other thing more broadly is cul-de-sac is intended to be a national concept of quite locally oriented. And so all of our retailers are local or are moving to the, to the Phoenix Metro area. So I know a lot of us have moved here and so they're becoming locals kind of by way of moving. And, and we're also excited to use an incredible team of local architects, construction, interior designers, and so on. And I think that also helps um, our community already be part of the broader community. Maybe one thing I'll say is we're working with an extraordinary set of local artists as well. So because we have so much more space on the ground um, for art, we're able to actually spend uh, quite quite a bit more than a typical development on public art. So we're working with a, a group of artists from a variety of different backgrounds, all local, on everything from sculptures to murals to, uh, you know, even designing some of the transformer boxes, like the electrical transformer boxes. And so I think having access to those connections as well helps everyone already feel like part of the community. It's, it strikes me as funny that almost that, 
with all of these very thoughtful decisions that you're making from the uh, retail uh, spaces that you're going to have to the art that's there, this car-free living place is going to be a destination that people want <laughs> want to come to and check out. It's it's uh it's I, I'm excited to see it uh, when it's when it's fully up. Yeah, we would be excited to host you, and um, we hope that everyone visits by light rail and by bike or or whatever by scooter or ride chair. But we will have a parking lot for guests and visitors, particularly, you know, those visiting the retail. So, you know, it's car free for residents and there's no parking, residential parking, but there is guest and visitor parking. So there's a couple other groups, um, if you're not already connected level, that we'd be happy to connect you to. Um, The Tempe Chamber of Commerce, we work with a lot very closely. Kyle's on the board. I'm like chair of the women in business. Um, and they do a lot of really great things for Tempe. So you're probably already working with them, but that's an easy intro for us. And then the other thing that came to mind as you were talking about groups is the Tempe leadership program. Um, and they always take on a class project, which that would be a really cool way to show community of, of designing like an art installation or a community garden or whatever works for, for cul-de-sac, but engaging with that group, because they do some really cool things. And we work with them all the time. So if you ever want to intro, we're happy to do that. Yeah, that's great. We're a member of the chamber and actually the Tempe Chamber introduced us to the vendor that will eventually be a retailer for the restaurant. So that's super fun. Huge fans of the chamber and they've been super helpful already. But no, we'd, we'd be happy to take any intros that you think would be relevant. Yeah, I think that's an important point about Tempe is like all the groups that you listed and and what I've found in the in the business community and in the community of Tempe, it's it's a really unique and special place to do business because everybody really does care about community and they also care about helping and supporting each other. And so I think you guys are just a great addition to that. So do you still have availability? Or are you are is it on a wait list? Like how does it work if somebody wants to move in? Yeah, we we've you know, unfortunately shut our, our first phase waitlist because we got um, quite a bit of demand, but we'll be opening up the rest of the waitlist uh, sometime soon. And uh, folks can just kind of follow along on Twitter um, or Instagram or you know, our website's cul-de-sac.com. Is what you're doing from planning this community as a, we'll, we'll start with the cul-de-sac Tempe as a private enterprise you're looking to develop something. I'm asking this as a question. That's a model for a city though, right? So the, the, my, I guess my real question is government, the city of Tempe must be really interested in what it looks like for you to be successful. And what, what quantitatively does that mean to like, what are the metrics that you're tracking that show this is successful? Because if I know as a city planner, I've got those percentages that you talked about earlier of people demanding that there's this type of resource in a city. I'm looking to you guys as a model for how to make that work in a way, right? I mean, is there much competition with really this concept of what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, I think so So many good questions there. I think fundamentally, one of the reasons we're excited to be doing what we're doing is like, they're, you know, the real estate industry is one of the biggest industries, if not the biggest industry in the U.S. We would love for there to be, you know, hundreds of car-free communities or cities and are would be such big fans of, of that. So I think from a competition perspective, we welcome any developer trying to do what we're doing. Um, you know, I think you sort of asked about the city in collaboration with what success looks like. One of the reasons why the city of Tempe is so special and going back to a question I answered earlier about why we chose Tempe is because of how forward thinking the city is and how collaborative they are. So actually just yesterday, I was on a call for with the city of Tempe and a number of local business leaders and transportation companies around transportation demand management. And so I've heard a few cities that do this, but the city of Tempe sort of is saying, hey, we want to rethink TDM and rethink what mobility hubs are. And so what's our first step? Our first step is actually to bring together a huge group of stakeholders and actually just ask them, what do you guys think of what do you need? And so in that regards, I am incredibly grateful to the city of Tempe for holding space for that. And, uh, you know, we look forward to continuing similar conversations about 
what success looks like from a transportation perspective and from a housing perspective. Yeah, I mean, you're changing the world, right? You're changing, you, you're starting something here that had 1,000 people. And there's got to be people, I know there's got to be people saying on the other side, like, oh, this can't work. We're such a car-driven society. And what an exciting opportunity to prove them wrong. And, and not that that's the reason to do it, but basically prove this is something people are asking for and we can do it in a way that it's both feasible as a business and, and uh, providing value to all these people that are asking for this resource. Yeah. You know, like I said, we just want to create more options for the way to live. And, uh, you know, people want to live car free and Tempe and we're just giving folks that option. Yeah. So do you guys, um, I was thinking about just Tempe and um, just the different community and stakeholders that are within the city. Do you guys have any partnerships with ASU or do you see any like, potential there or um, like students that would be living there or is like, who is, who is like, I know you don't probably have an ideal person, but like, who is the ideal person for cul-de-sac? Like what, what does that person look like? So we, we don't have an explicit partnership with ASU, but we're huge, huge fans of the university and what they're doing with the community. We're, we're neighbors with ASU or just a seven minute um, bike right away. And I actually commute to the cul-de-sac site through ASU every day. So, um, you know, incredibly strong supporters of, of the university and open to having students, of course, live at cul-de-sac Tempe. I think most of our residents are not students, but um, of course, open to, to having students. Um, I think you, you also asked a question about the ideal resident. We are a fair housing community. We're open to anyone that wants to live at cul-de-sac and everyone that wants to live at cul-de-sac. And we, we certainly don't have an ideal resident. I think the folks that live at cul-de-sac come from all different types of backgrounds. So 60% of them come from outside Arizona, from cities like San Francisco or New York. Um, we have folks that are young professionals who work in downtown Tempe. We also have folks that are empty nesters or soon to be empty nesters or looking to kind of downsize. One of my favorite quotes from a resident about why he wants to live in cul-de-sac is he's a little bit older and, and has decided to live at cul-de-sac as a vitality move. So he wants to be very thoughtful about his life and things he can do to prolong his life. And so these are things like living in a community with um, a lot of healthy forms of transportation, with built-in community, with an on-site grocery store, so, you know, in that respect, of course, just very happy to be giving that to him. But more broadly, we're, you know, we're open to everyone that wants to live in a community like all this that. Super cool. I'm just trying to think of how to ask this question or what exactly <laughs> I'm trying to ask. But what, so if you, if I can't move to cul-de-sac Tempe right now, it's, a, it's not an option for some reason. My job's in Indianapolis or, or so, you know, whatever reason. And, and I'm staying there. I mean, are you, uh, do you guys advocate for all of this outside of what you do as a business at all of like car free, uh, communities and, and doing that outside of cul-de-sac if you can't be in a cul-de-sac right now, or are there ways that you do that? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think it's like kind of more broadly, you know, how can we kind of be involved in the, the movement beyond cul-de-sac Tempe itself? So we, we do a few things. So, um, you know, we track all of the cities that are doing slow and open streets movements. You can find that on our website. And maybe I can kind of share with you guys if there's a, an email follow-up. And so we, we are excited to be like a source really for like what are cities that are doing, doing planning that, that really sort of supports the cul-de-sac ethos of building cities for people, not cars. Also, if you live car-free anywhere in the world, um, you can go on our website and request a car-free sticker for however many years you've been living car-free. We have sent stickers everywhere. Um, we've sent stickers to people in Arizona. We've sent stickers to people in Alaska. We've sent stickers to people in India and in Pakistan and in Russia. Like There are people living car-free all around the world. And literally, we will, we will mail you a sticker to anywhere that postage will reach. So that's kind of one thing because we want it to be like a very positive identity. Like I'm very proud that I live car free and have a car free for two years sticker somewhere on, on my water bottle. And, you know, we'd be, we're happy to do that. 
We also do a lot of community work with, um, you know, making Tempe a, a place for all bikers or, you know, all transit users. So we're actually doing a program with local businesses who want to give discounts to bikers. So we have almost 10 businesses who agreed to give discounts to bikers. And we share information about that in collaboration with uh, the Tempe Bicycle Action Group. And so that's by Tempe.org. Um, and then we also do some advocacy work. So right now I'm working with the city of Tempe and the local neighborhood, try to get a protected bike lane built on Smith Road, which is just north of our site and connects our site to Tempe Marketplace. And, uh, you know, so I welcome any person in Tempe who's interested to email me at, um, you know, lava at cul-de-sac, but that's, you know, part of the things that we do. Super cool. Do you guys track where you send the stickers? Like, do you have like, it'd be cool to see like a map of like all the different places. We do. I know we've been working on it. I'll, I'll, that's a great note, Jennifer. I'll, I'll prior kind of sending out the map, but it's been so cool. Honestly, it's one of the coolest things, the sticker. It's one of those like little things that brings me joy because people also can add a comment, just like anything, you know, uh, happy for what you're doing or whatever it might be. And people say just the sweetest things, you know, we're so, so excited for this. I've been car free for my entire life been waiting for a community like this. And like I said, I mean, I can't stress how diverse the places that people are living car free and looking at the list now, it's like everything from Kentucky to Pennsylvania to New Jersey. It's just pretty awesome. That's super cool. I, I, I imagine like you're on vacation and you have your sticker on your water bottle and then you see somebody else with their sticker. And then there's this like connection um, of people. So that's super fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's been awesome. Actually speaking of the connection of people, you know, so we have this wait list, like I said, of folks who are looking to move in from cul-de-sac and they're also quite a, a diverse set of people, but we also have um, folks that are fans of the community and kind of just keeping up to date. And um, during one of our Meet the Residents blog posts, actually, the, the elementary school best friend of one of our residents is a fan of cul-de-sac and, and reached out to her and reconnected that relationship because she saw that they were, you know, we had kind of covered her. So that was just, we had a lot of these little moments. It's been really cute. Um, recently, a brother and sister who are both on our wait list realized that many months after the fact, you know, and sort of like, oh, you got, you're also thinking about this. So wow. it's been very cute to see that. You know, you, 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 you just, I think, shifted something that's been so ingrained in my mind of how I think about like community and connections with people. And I've thought about it for so long as this like neural network of lines that are connected in so many different ways and overlapping lines and we're connected, but really like the way you're describing it, it's overlapping concentric circles. And so you could talk about if I'm living in cul-de-sac Tempe, here's this enclosed 1000 uh, residents living in this community that are a part of this broader community of Tempe that are both a part of and different from, but connected with this community of people around the entire world who are living bike free. I mean, I guess what you're doing really is connecting people with all sorts of different communities at the same time as setting the table for them to build their own at the, at the same exact time. Yeah, really well said. I mean, you know, it's like you have the whatever seven degrees or six degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon and like trying to do some something similar with cul-de-sac because there are people all around the world that are living this life. And, um, you know, like I said, the stickers is just an example of this. We have so many people that have never owned a car. They've lived car-free their entire life. You know, maybe they live in, in, uh, in Rome or we had someone recently from, um, from London. And it's like, these people are so excited about this concept and excited to bring the way of life that they've lived their entire life to other places. And, you know, the, the connection and energy between them and, people that are third generation Arizonans or fifth generation Arizonans is so exciting. And we, yeah, we can't, we can't wait really for cul-de-sac to be a community for folks that live there, but also to be broadly a community that anyone can feel like they can tap into. So we are 
about uh, getting to out of time, but before we get there, a uh, few more questions. Two of them we always ask anybody that's on our show, and they have nothing to do with anything we've been talking about. It's because <laughs> we're curious and we're collecting answers, and I don't know what we're going to do with them at some point, but we're going to do something. So my question for you is, what is your favorite book of all time? That's a good question. So I, you know, I, it's like sometimes to answer these questions, you want to say something really academic to show how smart you are. But <laughs> my favorite author is Stephen King and my favorite book is The Gunslinger. So <laughs> Love it. My, uh, favorite, my favorite is It. I love Stephen King. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah I love it too. But my, I love the Dark Tower series. The Gunslinger is the first book in the Dark Tower series. And uh, yeah, that's my favorite book. Good call. Um, my question is, what's one thing that you've learned personally um, from living the last 12 months going through the pandemic that you plan to carry forward with you? What's one lesson? I think a lot of people probably have learned this, but it's been very clear to me that I have a lot in my life to be grateful for. And I feel like my family and my friends mean the world to me and just being able to invest in those relationships more. And realize that at the end of the day, that's kind of all that really matters. Um, you know, come, kind of coming back to community is something that I'll, I'll carry forth. And um, I think the pandemic has been ex- extremely difficult for a lot of people. Um, and, and, you know, for me as well. But just one thing I'm grateful for is having um, a really amazing support system and just wanting to keep that going forward. Yeah, that's so great. I think um, I also learned that that lesson. and. Uh, my sister lives in New Hampshire and we started doing, you know, what everybody did. We would do Zoom birthday parties and my um, niece and nephew, I got to see their birthday parties, which I've never seen before. And we were like, why haven't we done this before? Like we could have always done this. We could have been a part of those special moments. So that is um, reminded me to also invest more and find more creative ways to uh, connect. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thank you. It's they're great questions. I'm sorry I could have should have had something a little bit more unique, but you know, that's that's my answer. That's perfect. No, that's what we love is, you know, it's it's you and your answer, and that's perfect. And you brought up a Stephen King book, so you get extra brownie points. <laughs> right, there. that's true. I get extra credit for that. <laughs> yes. Uh so just for anybody listening, uh one more time, how can we find both you, uh you and or cul de sac online? Yeah, so um, you can find me online um, on LinkedIn. My name is Lava Sunder. And then on Twitter, um, I believe my name is Lavinia Sunder on Twitter. And then if you want to connect with Cul de Sac, of course, go to our website. So that's just cul de sac.com, C U L D E S A C. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter, that's at Cul de Sac, um, or Instagram, and that's at Live Cul de Sac. Great. And like I said, if you live car free, please go to our website and request a sticker. I want to see stickers around. Yes. Yeah, we want to see stickers. Well, thank you, Lava, for being on the show today. It was a fascinating conversation. And I'm sure I'm not alone in saying that I'm very much looking forward to uh, experiencing this this new way of uh, new old way of living and uh, uh, seeing what comes of it. But it's been a great conversation. And thank you for being on the show. Thank you guys for having me. It was a great conversation. We are off to continue building better communities where people and businesses thrive. Thank you for listening to the Future of Work Water Cooler Conversations with your hosts, Jen Burwell and Kyle McIntosh. Each episode shines the spotlight on business leaders who are defining what a healthy and productive workplace looks like in Arizona and beyond. To be part of the conversation, schedule a visit of the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center in Tempe, Arizona, and connect with us at max6.com. Remember to like and subscribe to the Future of Work Water Cooler Conversations on Apple Podcasts.